0: Hey, praise God. Um, Man, welcome. Hey, try not to ruin the mood. Mitchell, on your way out, please. Uh, Hey, we're glad you guys are here. We are really, really glad you're here. Uh, (laughs) To hear a room full of college students Who just had a really hard five months? Worship that God is still good and that He never stopped working. Man, our hope and our prayer is that you guys believe that. That you guys believe that and that the lyrics we sing on Sunday mornings or live streaming or wherever it is, um, that man, your hearts are changed and that belief grows deeper and deeper and deeper and it doesn't become just lyrics we sing, but it becomes the testimony that we live. And that you know you have a God who never stopped working. And so, man, we missed you guys like crazy. Uh, sorry, I'm emotional. It's all allergies. I'm actually pretty emotionally hardcore. I just these allergies right now. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone I got choked up. Um, I got a reputation around here. Hey, uh, Welcome. Welcome, praise God that you're here, we love that you're here. My name's Ben, Uh, I'm the, uh, for some crazy reason, I get to kind of oversee this ministry and our young adult ministry uh, here at Christ Chapel, and we're glad you're here. Uh, We are excited about what uh, is going to happen not only today, but just this year in this ministry. Uh, This is a ministry that uh, I've gotten to inherit from from incredible people who have come before me. Uh, This college ministry started probably 20 years ago by some faithful families who just opened up their homes to college students a family called the Hotchkisses and the wilson's and a handful of other families just opened up their homes to college students and it turned into a college class at the church and then it turned into this big college worship service and then for nine years we worshiped at a bar next door Uh, and now here we're in this coffee shop and it's just been really neat to see how god has never stopped working um and so we hope and pray uh, that your life gets changed by the gospel not not that you walk away from college thinking yay christ chapel but you walk away thinking I love this God who has called me. That's our hope, that's our <laughs> that's our prayer for you. I'm gonna have a hard time not crying a lot today, so somebody say something funny. Go. Okay, that's, that's good. All right, thank you, Rainy. Okay, we are going to be in Romans. This whole year, we are going to spend uh, the entire year in the book of Romans. Romans is deep and it is challenging and it is dense and it is awesome and it is hard and we are just going to dive through it. We believe God's word. If you're new to us, we stand on this. This church, this ministry, we're going to stand on this word of God. This is our truth and this is what shapes us. And so we're going to study what I think is one of the, the theologically richest books in the New Testament, written by the Apostle Paul. And so that's where we'll be. And let me preview where we're going to be today. It's just in the first seven chapters. i excuse me, in the first seven verses. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) so hope you guys don't have any afternoon plans, uh, because we're going to be here a while. So the first seven verses, and we're going to see, let me preview a little bit, we're going to see a couple of questions answered. We're going to see in the very first verse who our author is, Paul, we're going to hear who he is, who Jesus and this gospel is in the next few verses, and then we're going to really camp out on these questions that are defined in this passage, who we are and what we are to do who we are and what we're to do and so that's where we're going so turn there to Romans 1 if you've got it or uh, on your iPhone Uh, while you're flipping there too um, I want to tell you a little bit about my boys so I got two boys Charlie and Miles Uh, Miles just turned four and Charlie's going to be seven in September incredible kids you'll see them running around here Uh, they're they're neat kids Uh, I I I prefer them I like them a lot Um, they their names mean, mean something to us. We named Charlie Charlie, which means a free man. And, and that's our prayer for Charlie. And our prayer every night is that Charlie would grow into a man who is, who is free, who is set free from, from sin and who, who lives the abundant life that Josh was talking about in The Welcome, that he, that he does that, that he lives a life of freedom. And Miles uh, means servant soldier. And our prayer for little Miles is that he would serve people and that he would fight for people uh, who who need fighting for. And so those are our prayers for our two boys. And and our hope is that who they are, uh, the Lord continues to shape and that we get to faithfully walk as their parents, Danielle and I, and and shape them to be who God has wired them to be, not just because we gave them cool names, but also just because we want them to grow into the men that God called them to be. And also what they want to do uh, and and how they live their life. If you ask um, Charlie what he wants to do, uh, he used to, for the longest time, he just said he wanted to be a home daddy which basically means he would be daddy at the house with my wife um, while I'm at work and he would basically just be a bum and stay at our house, right? And so my son's watching right now and he knows, man, he's got to actually get a job soon. He's seven now. I'll give him a few more years. He's got to get a house and get a job. But he wanted to be a home daddy and and Miles wants to be a lobster. And so we're working some things out there, just how all that's going to work. Um, who they are and what they are called to do, that's what we're gonna see in this passage. Read with me, and we'll have it up here on the screen for you too. Romans chapter one, verses one through four. This is what Paul says. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures, concerning his son who is descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Stop right there. There is so much in Romans. That was four verses and it is, this book is so rich. We're going to have a couple of different speeds. There are going to be some weeks that you show up and we're going to just spend an entire sermon on just seven verses. And then you're gonna show up to week like next week and we're gonna cover 29 verses and we're gonna nerd it out and we're gonna map a chapter for you and it's gonna be nerdy, but it's gonna make you love God more. Well, we hope it's gonna make you love God more. And so uh, this, is, this part right here, we're gonna slow down on because it's so rich. Um, but what's happening here is it's answering right off the bat in verse one, who Paul is. And so we see who Paul is. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul was set apart by the gospel. It's one of the things I want you to see here in this text. that Paul was set apart. He was a man that was set apart by the gospel. And I'll explain what that means to be set apart here in just a minute and, and definitely unpack. Maybe the most important thing is, is, okay, what is the gospel? But before I unpack being set apart and unpack the gospel, um, man, I want to give us the context of what Paul is being set apart from. And it's important to understand Paul's story because, you know, in this book, we're going to study for the next... You know, for, for the rest of Romans, we're going to see this author who is set apart for the gospel. We're going to see him say bold claims, like that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, we're going to see him make bold claims that um, as, as sin increases, that grace will abound even more than any sin in your life, right? Radically bold claims uh, he's gonna give us commands to no longer be conformed to the world. Uh, And so understanding where he's coming from is gonna be important. It's gonna be helpful to know his history. And so real quick, real quick, I just wanna give you a snapshot of who this author is. In Acts 8, Paul was named Saul. And we see the history of Paul in, in Acts 8. And when his name was Saul, he was a bad guy, like a really bad guy. His whole role when, it, when we talk about what we do, what he did was he persecuted Christians. Anyone who followed Christ, anyone who was pursuing Christ, anyone who wanted to, he persecuted Christians. He found them, women, husbands, children, whatever it was, and he would drag them and arrest them and those people, many of those people would get stoned. It even says in Acts, he would stand there in the stonings and encourage it and he would hold men's coats so that they could go and they could go throw rocks harder. That's who our author was in Acts 8. And then we see this incredible thing happen in Acts 9, where on the road to Damascus, uh, Jesus comes, shows up, blinds Paul, reveals himself to him, and says, you need, to, you need to follow me. Why are you persecuting me? You need to follow me. Radically changes his life. He, he's sent to this guy's house, Ananias. Ananias gives him his sight back, and Paul's life, he goes from Saul, changes his name to Paul, and everything changes for him. He was as far gone as it comes. In First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says, I am the chief of sinners. That's who he, that's who our author was. The chief of sinners. His job was killing Christians. And what has happened is then he, because of the power of the gospel, because of what Jesus did, became the, one of the greatest evangelists ever in the early church. Most of the New Testament is written by this guy. That's who he is. That's this man who was set apart by the gospel um god plucked him out of the life that he was in god set him apart and said no you're no longer going to live that life i'm going to show up in the road as you're on your way to the next village to arrest christians and i'm going to pluck you and set you apart um, for my glory that word set apart right that's not necessarily a word we use a whole lot but it means dedicated for god's use and so it's this, it's this term and it's this idea of um, being dedicated for, for God's use. It's this idea of sanctification, which is this fancy word for just a maturing process. If someone is being sanctified, then it means they're maturing, they're growing. In this context, it means they're becoming more and more Christ-like. Um, I, uh, I, we went on a road trip this summer with our kids, and I thought being a good dad, I bought some trail mix. It's better than just like buying a bag of sugar for my kids. And I was like, okay, cool, trail mix. It feels like a little bit of a dad win. And so I gave my boys uh, a bunch of trail mix. And I realized um, all they did was they just picked out the M&Ms, right? That's all they did. I gave them this, you know, hey, here's a big bag of trail mix. And they just picked through all the M&Ms. And some of you guys are in your 20s, and that is still how you function with trail mix. And I get that. Um, there's repentance that, that can happen through this. But it, that's all they did. And so my, my good dad moved, like, trail makes, that seems kind of hardy. And it just became, no, I should have just bought them bags of M&Ms. That's all I should have done. Being plucked out, right, taking God, just taking what, what really is desirable for him and saying, okay, I'm going to pull this out because it's going to have a different purpose. And, and all of this is going to go, and I'm going to set this apart. He sets Paul apart. It's going to talk about, too, setting us apart. And are you, in Christ, living a life that is set apart from everything around you? Man, our world, our world has so much muck and mud that we can get stuck in. College, there are traps everywhere. And I'm not going to get up here week after week and beat up on college because college is going to be one of the greatest, most fun, most maturing, sweetest seasons of your life. And so I'm not going to get up here and say, man, college is bad. There's a lot of bad things. College is sweet. I mean, there's great things that are going to happen. And some of the most generous and benevolent people I know with their time are gifted college students who showed up in this building at 6.30 this morning to help set up, and we're here till 2 a.m. Friday night figuring out how to put up chairs. And I mean, college is an amazing thing, but there are going to be traps everywhere. There's going to be mud to get stuck in everywhere. And so as we study who Paul is, even just in this first verse, and we see this idea of Paul being set apart, I want you to just pray about it this week. I want you to go before the Lord and say, Lord, am I set apart? He has set you apart. He has called you and given you this new purpose that we'll talk about. But I want you to go before the Lord and say, Am I living a life that's set apart? Does my life look like everyone else around me, or am I living this life set apart? And so, man, take that before the Lord. And let me clarify, too. I'm not asking, Do you believe in Jesus? Right? I'm not asking, did you pray to receive Christ at Vacation Bible School or summer camp one day? I'm asking, are you living a life that's set apart? That's what God has called you to. He's called you to not just believe, but put your faith in him in a way that sets you apart. And so, uh, man, that's just my first challenge for you guys. Even this, this now second week of school, spend some time with the Lord when you're walking to class and just say, Lord, am I living? Would you just show me, graciously and gently show me, what are areas of my life that you desire me to be set apart from? because of what you say about me, because of what we're about to hear about who you are and what you do. Um, I just want that to be a prayer that, that you're talking to the Lord about. Now, being set apart is not just something we do ourselves, right? We're gonna, we're gonna hopefully learn that this week and every week that we're in Romans, that it is not something we can just do ourselves. It's just, okay, I'm gonna set myself apart, but it is something that is done for us by Christ Jesus. And so second thing I want us to look at and really this question of, what the gospel is, who Jesus is. Um, Look at the next few verses in Romans. We read um, them. I'm going to read 2, 3, and 4. I'm going to go back over verses 2, 3, and 4. We see Paul. He's this man set apart by the gospel. Now look what it says. Just ended with this idea of the gospel. And then it says, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, that is a sentence right there. Paul, that is such a rich sentence. What he's saying is this man, Paul, who is set apart by the gospel. Oh, the gospel, which by the way, just so answers what it is. It was this thing that was promised beforehand all throughout scripture uh, that, that there would be someone, and it even says descendant from David because that's what the Old Testament prophesied. Jesus was always the plan. Jesus was always the plan through history. And we see it in the Old Testament, from creation all throughout, from from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament. We see prophecies of, we need a Savior. We need a Savior. There was a sacrificial system, but that sacrificial system to approach God in the Old Testament was really just a way to put your faith to say, one day we need our God to truly pay this penalty that we cannot pay, and they were looking forward to a savior, looking forward to, it. of the Old Testament, of the prophets, saying one day they will come. I mean, he will come from the line of David, which is why it's so important that Paul put that in there. Like, look, Jesus Christ came from that line. He was who was prophesied about. He what, he is the Messiah. He's finally come. I mean, in the Old Testament, there's passages in Isaiah 53 that um, this this savior, this future savior, hundreds of years before Christ being prophesied that he will bear the, our weight. He will we will be healed by his stripes, right? And we we get this visual of Jesus in his crucifixion who was whipped by the Roman Empire, which didn't even exist. Like that torture technique didn't even exist hundreds of years ago when Isaiah said, we will be healed by his stripes. Jesus was always the plan through history. Jesus was always the plan through scripture. And, And for that reason, what it does is it, it says, man, there is one path. There is one path to this God and creator and this one who defines worth and value and purpose and that is Jesus. It's always been his plan. And I I think so often we live in a culture and a world that says, man, there's lots of paths. I'm gonna choose Jesus, but you choose your path and you choose your path. And I think if we really study what we believe well, we'll realize this is all history has been telling a story, pointing us to a savior. And now on this side of Jesus, we point back and say, that's our only hope. That's where we find our hope. That's where we find our day. That's where we learn who we are and what we're called to do. Christianity is just one of the flavors of your life. If it's just a category in your life, it's an affiliation that, yeah, okay, I'm a Christian. That's kind of one of the things that I would affiliate myself. Um, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that there is more that you are designed for and you're missing out on what it means to truly follow Christ, not as a category, an affiliation or a flavor in your college experience but that he is the one path, which means our whole foundation is built on him. I want to slow down in this last section. One more section with a couple of questions. One more really verse that I'm going to camp out on here. And again, I just, I hope you all see how rich this book is. Um, and we're not going to be able to cover everything. Um, but look at Romans 5. And we'll throw it up on the screen if that's easier for you. Through whom? Okay, let me, let me, figure out where the through came from. Paul set apart by what? By the gospel, this thing that's always been the plan, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which if I was going to, if I was going to summarize the gospel down to the clearest, most, most concise way to say, okay, what is the gospel? It's this thing that set Paul apart, but what is it? Let me, before I get into verse five, let me make sure we're here. First Corinthians chapter 15, Paul defines the gospel. Here's what he says. He says, the gospel is the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ the gospel is the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ because everything I said all of the Old Testament that I was talking about pointing to we need a savior there will be one who will come one showed up he was who he said he was he was the Messiah from the line of David holy without sin took on the sins of the world hung on a cross and died death buried and just like was prophesied rose again and defeated death and so that is the gospel That's the gospel that sets Paul apart. That is the gospel that sets us apart. It is that theological and historical event that happened 2,000 years ago that that you've heard most likely. Yeah, okay, the gospel, Jesus died, I get that. That theological and historical event changes everything about now and me and how I live and how you live and what college looks like if it shapes who you are and what you're called to do, if it sets you apart. And so that's what we're gonna see in verse five. We've set it up. We've seen Paul. We've seen the gospel, now look at the power of it. Look at what it does. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Stop. Verse five, this gospel, this Jesus, this savior that we've been waiting for is whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of our faith for his glory. This is about him, not about us looking good. It's about him. The gospel shapes us. The gospel should shape us, and it should answer these two questions here: who we are and what we do. Who we are and what we do is shaped by this truth of what Christ did. Uh, Let me just start with who we are, and 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 slow down, and just make this really, I think, personal and practical for you guys. Uh, Who we are. Notice this, and I'm going to nerd out for a second, but this is really fascinating there's a pronoun change in verse five, right? The first four verses, we're talking about Paul, right? And he, and he, and he. And then for the first time in Romans, and Paul does this a couple of times. We're gonna see it next week in a really big, important scale in, in how he uses pronouns in 29 verses. It's gonna, be, it's gonna be ridiculous. But here in verse five, the pronoun changes and all of a sudden it goes from Paul, Christ, Jesus, he to we, whom we have received grace. And that is strategic and that is rich and that is real and there's a reason God's word says that. Because what it shows us is that we have received grace. So the, the answer to the question of who we are, who we are because of the gospel is right here in verse five. Who we are is we are broken people who have received grace. That's who we are. You, because of the gospel, are a broken person The the brokenness was inherent within you. I don't know if anyone told you that, but you were broken. Um, You were already broken. We came into this thing broken. And the gospel is this beautiful picture of grace. Um, Inherent within the idea of grace is the idea that we're broken, right? I mean, that's intuitive, right? That if we're receiving grace, it's because we need it, right? I don't, uh, you don't play Michael Jordan in his prime and say, hey man, I'm going to show you some grace in this game, right? Because if you play Michael, you're going to get smoked, right? Like you don't need to show him grace because you're going to lose really bad and get embarrassed, right? And so inherent in the idea of receiving grace is that you needed it. It's that you needed it. Can I, can I just lovingly tell you, honestly, something true, and I think something freeing. You, as, as young adults, me, as a pastor, we will make mistakes. We make mistakes. We have made mistakes. We will make mistakes. We will make mistakes. And you will suffer consequences for those mistakes. Um, you are, there is brokenness in us. There are not only mistakes we make, but there is emptiness in us. There is a longing that we can't fill ourselves, that we chase after. Um, feel like so often we run this race and we, we want to make sure everybody knows that we're okay. We want to make sure that everyone knows, no, 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 we're good. We're okay. We don't, we don't make those mistakes and I don't struggle and I'm not insecure and I don't feel lonely. No, no, look how many friends I have. And no, no, I'm, I'm confident and we, we so badly don't want people to see how potentially insecure or how lonely or how hurting we are. And we don't Want to come to grips with that and so we'll stay busy or we'll stay active or we'll stay moving so we don't have to think about what hurts we're broken and that is freeing because we don't have to try to pretend we're not and that would be really discouraging if we were just acknowledging that we're broken and let's all just mope around except for the fact that we're broken and we have a god who heals not because we didn't mess up but because he's gracious and so there's so much freedom in us acknowledging of us every week when we welcome people. We say, man, we're a room of broken people. And we celebrate that not because we remain broken, but because we have a God who says, yes, I know you are, and I love you the same. And I will, and I will give you life, and I will restore what is broken, and I will bring to life what is dead in you. And so there's freedom in being able to say, I am broken, and yet I have received grace. I needed grace, and I have a God who gives it unceasingly, abundantly in my life. Man, there's freedom in us understanding that. Paul's life was an example of that, right? He went from the chief of sinners, the worst guy ever, to being adopted as a co-heir with Christ. And he says, that is us too. If it happens with this guy whose job was killing Christians to then becoming who he was shaped to be by the gospel, then that is true for us, for you, it shapes you. Women in this room, sisters, what does that mean for you? It means, that, it means that you find your worth not in what someone else says, your value not in what someone else says, not in what you look like in a mirror, not in, not in what the opposite sex, how they would validate you. You find your satisfaction and your identity not in those things, not in things that you have done and mistakes you've made not in things that have been done to you. The gospel says, hey, I'm going to reshape you. Broken people who have received grace, that's who we are. And we get to brag about it. And I didn't earn it, but I got it. And so I don't have to hide my brokenness. I could say, yeah, look at the God who healed me. Look at the God who is healing me and slowly working this out of me. And I don't have to chase all these other things to medicate and to cope because I can run to him and say, God, you, you say you shape me. Would I believe it? That theologically sounds great, but would it become practical for us in our lives? Would the next time you look in the mirror or next time as a girl, a boy says something either good or bad, that you'd be able to run that through the lens of, yeah, but I'm shaped by this. I'm his. Men. Men. You're shaped by the gospel, not what other men think about you, not of who wants to date you and who doesn't want to date you, not with how successful you're going to be, not with how much you can accomplish, not with what you look like, honestly, not even what your earthly father says. I know some of you guys got awesome dads, I know some of you guys got awesome dads, but they're tough, you know, really tough, and it. At times, some of the stuff they speak into your life feels like, man, I got to earn this. I get that and I want you to respect them and I want that relationship to be healthy and I'm not dogging on anybody's parents. But the author says, hey, you're broken men, but you've received grace. So all of your mistakes... This is going to be a place. This book is going to be a place. This room is going to be a place. This ministry is going to be a place. Any place that preaches the gospel, there's a lot of great churches that preach the gospel, they're going to be a place where you can go to and say, okay, man, I'm hurting. I need to receive this grace. I need to walk in this grace. It shapes you. How will you let that shape the rest of your college career? Right? Whether you're a freshman, whether you're on your third victory lap, I don't care whether you're college age but you're doing a gap year or you're just saying, man, I'm gonna pursue the Lord and whatever that looks like as a college age person, how will that shape you? A couple of examples, one of them, if you identify that there's a lot of shame in your life, if you identify that you're carrying around a lot of shame, that you feel like you're not good enough and not worthy enough and it just weighs on you, one of the ways it's gonna shape you is if you believe this, it's gonna say that shame doesn't have a place on you anymore. And I want you to go take that shame to somebody who knows the gospel If you don't know somebody, come and chat with one of us on staff or one of our leaders and say, man, I can I just share what weighs on me and let us speak grace into that? Shame is going to be an easy way that, man, you've got an enemy that wants to kill, steal, kill, and destroy throughout your life. And every mistake you make, he's going to try to pile shame on you and bury you in that. And this gospel says, no, you're going to receive grace you're gonna receive grace in your brokenness. You're gonna receive grace. Uh, another thing too is if, if you get to the place where it's like, man, I can't, I can't earn this. I've made too many mistakes. I can't get back to that. Maybe it's first week of school. Okay, I'm gonna try church, but man, I don't feel like I'm gonna be good enough or I'm not gonna be able to keep up the track record to be the church. I wanna be the church person. I wanna be the person that crowds into, you know, germ-filled room. And I wanna be that person who loves Jesus that much and has that much faith. And, but man, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't know if I can do that. And I just, I can't keep up. And you're gonna have that voice play in your head. This gospel shapes that for your college life and says, hey, you can't earn it, so you won't try. That's a lie. You never earned it in the first place. You never earned it in the first place. And so at any point in your college career, if you just feel like, you know what? I just can't keep up with the Christian thing, so I'm just not gonna try. And I'll maybe pick it back up after I graduate or I'll pick it back up next summer or I'll pick it back up, you know, at some other season. Don't put it down. Let this grace shape your college experience. Can I give you just a real quick, real tangible way, super tangible way to experience that kind of grace, right? We talk about people who, w- I want to speak grace into your life. That's what family nights are for us. When Josh got up here and talked about family nights, these things that we do um, Sunday nights or Sunday afternoons, all throughout Sunday, we got families from Christ Chapel who literally open up their home and a dozen college students go over, eat dinner, get prayed over, uh, get be known, walk with, be adopted into a family of people. And our family night leaders are just people who love Jesus and they've experienced grace and they just want to show grace to other people. Honestly, if you need that, if you're like, I need somebody just, I can bring my crap to and they're not going to judge me and they're not going to condemn me. They're going to meet me where I'm at and they're going to, yes, help me walk to something better, but they're going to do it with a ton of grace. That's literally what family nights are. And sign up for one of those. They start in three weeks. And so tell us you're interested now so we can reach out and figure out what works best. We, we want you to know those kind of relationships. We want you to grow. We believe that will shape you. Last question here is this. It's what we do. Who we are is broken people shaped by grace, right? Broken people who have received grace. What we do though, verse five again, I'll read it real quick. Through whom we've received grace and apostleship. So we have received these two things, grace, which defines who we are, and apostleship, which defines what we do. Buried right there in plain sight, apostleship. Apostleship was uh, this idea uh, in the New Testament of those who had walked with Jesus, right? The apostles were like Jesus's 12 guys, right? Paul became an apostle. He, he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. And now here we see in the text that we have now been given that. We have now received this revelation from Christ. We've now received that we have seen. If we have seen the grace of God and experienced the grace of God and put our faith in Jesus, if we are in Christ, then it says we've not only received grace, we've now received a mission. Being an apostle. Someone who has seen Jesus and is sharing him with others. What we do is shaped by this verse. What we do is we take the gospel of grace to others. That's what we do. Who we are, Broken people who've received grace. What we do is now take the gospel of grace and just show it to other people. We bring it into the lives of other people. Um, That's what we're called to do. That's what we're defined to do. Um, If you've received grace, then and we'll see later, even in this book, then you've been adopted. You're his. That grace marks you. Having experienced that, then you get to go and share it with other people. You've been given a mission. You've been given a task. You'd be given a role to play in God's glory. What's that look like for you in college? Real practically, what does that look like for you? And one thing is, it's, it's gonna do is it's gonna shape the way you see people around you. And so if you really believe this gospel and you really believe, okay, Jesus is who he said he was, not just historically and theologically, but then the effects of that, I put my faith in that because I know I'm broken and I know the other things won't satisfy me. And so I'm gonna put my faith in that gospel that he did what he said he was gonna do and be shaped by that, then it means, okay, I'm gonna be somebody who walks in grace, shows grace to myself from the Lord, but then shows it to others. I'm gonna live my life on mission. And as we do that, it's going to shape your college experience. And one of the ways it's gonna do it is it's gonna shape how you see the people around you, right? If that if that is the mission you're on, to show grace to people, then it drastically shapes how you see your friends and your co-classmates and the other people that you're around because all of a sudden you no longer have the ability to see them through the lens of what can they do for me do they add to my self-esteem do they make me feel better about myself all of a sudden if this really is our mission then we see people and instead of what can they do for me it's how can I serve them and all of a sudden I see other people and I say, okay, that's somebody that I want to show grace to because I know inherent within being shown grace, I want to show grace. And so man, that person's hurting or I don't get along with that person or I can't stand. This person's voice grates on me, right? The way they sip their coffee makes me want to stab myself. And so all of a sudden, it goes from, man, I'm so annoyed by that person, and I'm going to gossip about him, and I'm going to, and did you hear what this girl said, and did you see what that guy did? And all of a sudden, it goes from the way I see people to, man, I want to I run into those relationships. I want to meet them where they're at. I want to love them the way that I've been loved. Because I was the guy who sipped coffee weird, in the metaphorical sense of Jesus. And yet he was the guy who didn't, didn't stab me for sipping coffee weird. That, that illustration broke down. Sorry, guys don't waste college, right? You guys are, you guys are achievers, right? Don't waste these years in just making it about how you can achieve for yourself. Don't miss what you're called to do because of the gospel. Don't miss that. Utilize whatever season you have to say, all right, Lord, how can I make much of you? How can I show your grace to other people? Honestly, real practical Example, we talked about family nights. Real practical way to do this is, man, go and meet the, the guys and the girls who work with the PAC, right? The PAC's whole goal is it's a ministry just designed to take college students who have a heart for reaching other college students. There's all kinds of things your heart's going to be wired for. You're going to have a heart for high school students. We've got great ministry we'd love to partner with or, or Young Life or um, middle school kids or whatever it is. But you're college students, so you're literally living in the mission field of college students. And so the PAC is just an organization that says, man, we want to walk with you. We want to teach you how to throw parties. We want to teach you how to throw parties where people are like, that's different. Uh, that, that seems really gracious. That seems really generous. We want to teach you how to invite people into your life. We want to buy you a bunch of steaks so that you can cook on a grill and invite people over who would never walk into these doors and hear the gospel, but they'll walk over and eat a steak with you. We want to train you to do that. That's what the PAC is. And I hope you don't hear that as like me using that as an application point to promote a ministry we believe in. I hope you hear us say, no, no, we believe in that application point. We believe so much in that application point that we started a ministry just to do that. Because you living on mission to those who are far off, to those who will never come to us, is what you are called to do. And you can either be obedient with that mission in these years, or you can be disobedient with that. We want to walk alongside you and train you how to do that and hold your hand how to do that and encourage you in how to do that. Um, who you are, what you do, defined, shaped by the gospel. This is who we are. As a, as a ministry, we are a, a people who find our calling and our direction from this book. This is our authority. We dive deep into it week after week. This is what we're going to do. We're going to dive deep into this and we're going to see how the gospel shapes us. We're going to preach grace and we're going to preach mission and we're going to be on mission to reach those who would never come in these doors. We're going to continue to live stream no matter what the circumstances are um, and we're going to continue to do that. That's who we are. And so know there is grace calling you to something better. Know that there is grace that is calling you to something better and know that you've been given a mission. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. You're designed for it. The other things you will strive and try to fill your time up will not satisfy you like that let me close with this verse the, the last two verses uh in verses six and seven that i read at the very beginning there says this all of this gospel all of who what what has shaped us then says in verse six including you who are called to belong to jesus christ To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear it? You who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. You are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Believe it. If you have an ounce of faith that he really loves you the way we just saw he loves you, sent his son to die for you, offers you grace, says that you are forgiven, says that you are worthy because of who he is and valuable because of he is. That little bit of faith, would it grow and grow and grow and you would know that I belong to Jesus Christ. For those who say, I don't feel like I know where I belong, this sets it for you. You belong to Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, we are excited to see how the word of God and the people of God and the spirit of God uh, changes lives in this ministry this next year always for your glory Um, Father would you uh, would you just continue to be glorified Uh, would you continue to allow us to to dig deep and drink deep of just the the well that is not only your word but of your grace Uh, would my brothers and sisters with the college students who have gathered with the young adults who have gathered in this room this morning um When they leave, would they leave knowing they're loved? Not just by a church that's really, really missed them and has been praying hard for them, um, but would they know they're loved by the God of the universe? Would the gospel, what Jesus did, would it just continue to shape their lives? That they would see who they are, people who've received grace, they find their worth and their value in that, and that it would define what they do and how they spend their time and how they spend their lives all for your glory, Lord. We need your Holy Spirit to do that. And so would you do what only you can do in the name of Jesus. Amen.